warriors and welcome back to the warrior within the woman podcast here on our youtube channel i'm going to welcome you um, back i'm so grateful for all of you that have chosen to tune in whether it is via our youtube channel or through our podcast which is available on all streaming uh, platforms apple google um, Spotify, Amazon Music, anything you can think of, we are most likely there. So check us out um, wherever you're listening or tuning in. Um, make sure you like and subscribe to the channel or to the podcast. That helps us out tremendously, helps get the Word of God out there, and helps our ministry flourish to what it can be. So today we're going to be talking about thankfulness. We are. So today I want to talk to you about a certain scripture, specifically two separate people in scripture and talking about thankfulness. Actually going to um, go a little bit into our Grappling with Guilt podcast episode. This is kind of like a part two, uh, if you will. But um, if you go to Luke chapter 7 verse 36, that's where we're going to start. And this is where, where um, we see a woman with the alabaster jar of perfume. So maybe many of you, whether you know the Bible or not, understand or have at least heard of this person, right? It, this event in history. And so I wanted to um, share it and talk about it for a moment. So in Luke chapter 7, chapter 7 verse 36, it says, One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet and weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered, said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. So let's pause for a moment and talk about the scripture just for a little bit of this woman. When I read this scripture, I'm always overwhelmed with emotion because I can't imagine what she felt in this moment, what she was feeling standing in the doorway of this Pharisee's home and, and being so not only determined, but resilient that she had found out where Jesus was. And she was so, she was ready. She was ready to meet him. She was ready to get all of this off her chest, all the burden of this life. And I can't imagine how she was feeling in that moment, standing in the doorway of this Pharisee's home, being so gripped with the guilt of how she paid for this perfume. or And not only that, but what this jar represented in her life. If you'll do any type of research into prostitution at this time, a lot of these women would take their wages and buy a perfume that would obviously make them smell good, right? It would make them more enticing to um, people that are, were willing to or wanting to find a prostitute. So she not only did this perfume stand for that and represent that, but she used her earnings 
to buy this alabaster jar. And many people think that if it took her about a year's wages, a year's wages to buy this alabaster jar of perfume. So this jar represented her life. It represented the money she made. It represented what she used to better sell herself. It represented so much. And in this moment that she is so overwhelmed to be in the presence of Jesus and just crying and weeping and her tears, she's crying so much that her tears are just flooding down her face and, and hitting his feet and she's washing his feet with her tears and she dries them with her hair and she uses this perfume, her life, the symbolism of her life and breaks the jar and pours the perfume over his feet. Wow. What a sobering moment to really even as Christians look at our lives and say, am I willing to break my life? Am I willing to give up my life, my wages, the things that make me look good, the things that make me smell nice? And I mean, that I'm not even talking about in reality, but even spiritually, we like to look like we have it all together. We like to look like there's not things grappling with our hearts. We like to make it seem like we're not dealing with things when truthfully we all are dealing with things. We all are dealing with guilt of maybe our past or even our present. We're dealing with things that not many people understand and it is so easy for us. It is so easy for us to get so wrapped up in the mundane of this life that we so quickly forget where we came from. This mo this woman in this moment is giving up everything because she doesn't want to live this life anymore. And she just wants to be forgiven and she wants this guilt to leave her and she wants to feel some sort of relief, some sort of freedom. And so she comes to this Pharisee's house and this Pharisee is judging her based on knowing that she was a prostitute. Now, first of all, when I read this scripture, first of all, I, I understand that maybe many people can look on the street and pinpoint maybe, okay, yes, that's a woman who is selling herself, right, in prostitution. But I don't know that for sure right? Unless I've looked for her, right? Or unless I know it or I've seen it in action, whatever. But for me, in my mind, I was thinking, how does this Pharisee know that this woman is a woman of the city, right? As the Bible put it, a prostitute. How does he know? And this is just me kind of thinking a little bit more in depth of this scripture. We don't know specifically, but there could have been even more in his heart that was not revealed. But the judgment from his voice and judgment from his eyes of dealing and of, of her being in his home uninvited and washing the feet of Jesus. 
And so in this moment, as this woman is pouring out her heart and she's pouring out her life to Jesus and not caring who's in the room. She doesn't care what she looks like. She don't care what she smells like. She is truly broken. And so we go from this to Jesus talking to Simon. And and this is Jesus talking to this Pharisee, right? He's going to talk to him in a parable because Jesus is known for his parables. He's known for this, but he's going to teach this Pharisee a lesson. So, so bear with me. In verse 41, it says, A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, The one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And Jesus said to him, You have judged rightly. And turning to the, toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered in your house and you gave me no water to drink. And she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she, was, but she has anointed my feet. With ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sin? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now, let's talk about this for a moment. Thankfulness. Right? That's what we're talking about today. I'm reminded that it is those that truly look at where God has brought them from who can genuinely be thankful for where they are now. We're not perfect. Absolutely not. Do we have it all together? No, absolutely not. We still need Jesus every day. But if you knew my true story and, and all my story, if you knew my all of my story and every mess up and every sin and every pit I got myself into and God still came back over and over and over and never gave up on me, then you would understand my passion and my drive and my thankfulness and my joy unspeakable, right? And and you would understand my happiness. You would understand the reason why I speak and preach and the reason why I encourage because I know what it's like to hate myself. I know what it's like to be depressed. I know what it's like to want to not live anymore. I understand what it's like to to be so confused of what God is doing in your life and want to give up. I understand all of those things. And it is because of God changing my life. It is because of God taking me from those things and bringing me to joy and bringing me to peace. And bringing me to, to a place of freedom that I can truly say I'm so thankful. And in my thankfulness, I might cry. And in my thankfulness and worship, I might jump up and down and raise my hands. And in my thankfulness, I might run around the room. It is not for a show, but it is because I have been forgiven so much. 
And if we were to look at our lives, why are we not so thankful for who we are and where God's brought us? Why is it so hard for us to worship God in spirit and in truth? Why is it so hard for us to genuinely say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for helping me overcome these things. Thank you, Lord, for helping me move in through the season. Help. Thank you, God, for loving me and never judging me. Thank you, Lord, for always being here and always correcting me when I needed to be corrected, God, and helping steer me in the right direction when I was going my own way. Thank you, Lord, for all the times I could have died. There are times in our lives that maybe we can say, yeah, I almost died in this situation, but God saved me. But we don't even know all the times we could have died. All the times our life could have ended that God saved us. And we don't even know about it. The times that he's protected your children from harm. And we don't even know about it because of his protection. That is what I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for a life that even in complication and even in disappointment and even in hurt from others and even in all of this pain and even in my own guilt of my past, God has wiped it clean. And that is what I'm thankful for today. So I look at this woman and I I can look at her and I can see myself in her. This broken woman who is just wanting to break down at the feet of Jesus and doesn't care what other people think or what other people say. I've learned in my years of ministry that it is you're going to have lots of people that have all kinds of opinions. <laughs> that is human beings. But one thing that I am sure of is that thankfulness comes from our heart. A heart of gratitude in the midst of sorrow, in the midst of grief, and in the midst of circumstances. And I'm not saying that you are not justified in being angry or upset or hurt or broken or sad or sorrowful or in grief. I understand that. And I don't want you to say, everything's great. I don't want you to fake it. I understand. If you're sad, be sad. That's okay. Thankfulness doesn't always have to come from happiness. Thankfulness doesn't always come from a spirit of joyfulness. Thankfulness is gratitude in the midst of everything. Thankfulness. When I look at this event in history and I look at what Jesus has said to this man it is those that have been for, been forgiven so much that are thankful, that are grateful, that maybe worship a little different than us, that maybe shout a little louder than all of the rest. That's okay because we have a lot to be thankful for. I also want to take you to scripture in Luke chapter 8 where we see Jesus heal a man with a demon. And so if you go to Luke chapter 8, verse 26, it says, Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite of Galilee. 
When Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes. He had not lived in a house, but among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus? Son of the Most High God, I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man for many a time it had seized him. Many a time it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. Jesus then asked him, what is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. And they begged him not to command them to depart. Everyone it says, and they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs were feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs. And the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it into the city and in the country. Then people went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus and found the man for whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus. Now remember that. Sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed, and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed, And then all of the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked him to depart from them for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned and the man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. Okay. We have a lot to unpack in this, so I want to talk about it for a moment. This man was possessed by many demons. I mean, we don't know the amount of demons, but he was, let me see. So we don't know how many exactly, how many demons this man had, but we do know that um, uh, the word legion And that time period meant about 5,000 fighting men, right? So if you were going to be in the military, they said a legion was with the general, a legion with the army. Um, It would be about 5,000. But we don't know exactly how many demons this man had, but we know it was a lot. It went into a whole herd of pigs, okay? But here's the problem I have. Okay, here's the problem I had. And I was listening to Pastor T.D. Jakes um, a couple days ago, and he said something similar to this. And I would like, I want to share it with you, but um, I want to give him uh, credit to where credit is due. But he was talking about how in this story specifically, in this event specifically, everyone had considered this man who would live among the dead, live among the tombs, cutting himself, running around naked, cutting himself, bleeding out in pain, screaming at the top of his lungs as normal. It was normal to them. 
And I understand technically it's not normal. They had gotten used to it. But nobody had tried to help him. Now, I don't know in the past if anyone had, but at this point, they would just chain him up and try to keep him up in the grave at the graveyard because nobody wanted to deal with him. How many of us, how many of us take this kind of stance with the people we love and with the families we love and because they're in so deep and because they're so in so much addiction and because they're overcome with demons, I understand you can only do so much. There is free will. But why don't we stop writing people off because of what they're dealing with and what they've gone through or maybe even the history and their past and try to help them instead of just chaining them up and keeping them over there so that they don't, we don't have to deal with them. These people would chain him up. They were content, perfectly content with this man trying to kill himself, cutting his wrists, bleeding out all over the tombs, hanging out with the dead people. I mean, hanging out up there, screaming, running around naked. And then when Jesus comes on the scene, when Jesus comes on the scene, and he comes and this man, possessed with all these demons, is begging God to help him. Jesus went. Jesus went there. And he cast the demons into these pigs. And these people, talk about something getting you heated, okay? This event gets me so angry. It gets me so angry because it's the same mindset of this Pharisee. Yet these people in this city, I don't know if they believed in Jesus or not, had the same mindset. They were more mad about the pigs dying in the water and losing money then to finally see a man free, clothed, in his right mind, and they were afraid. Come on. Seriously? You're afraid of someone getting free of addiction? You're afraid of someone actually coming to their right mind and asking for forgiveness? You're afraid? Because why? Because you're nor it's normal. And we got people out here, I don't care if you believe in God or not, we got people out here emotionally manipulating the people that they know that are addicted and that are in the chains of sin. You would feel more comfortable with them feeling and being burdened and chained up than to be free. We got to check our hearts. What kind of people do that? And, and let me tell you, if you're trying to get out of whatever sin and pit that you're trying to get out of today, because we're all dealing with our own issues, wherever you are, if you've got people in your life that would rather you stay hurt and stay broken and they would emotionally manipulate you to keep you in a place that is easily manipulated, you know why they're doing that? Because the only thing they have connected to you is your brokenness. The only thing that's connecting you to that friendship is the your past pain. Your hatred for someone that they hate too. Come on, somebody. 
We've got to get to the place of wisdom, church, wisdom, warriors, that people are going to emotionally manipulate you to keep you in their life because if you get free, it will make them uncomfortable. What people claim, if they claim to love the Lord or whatever, to me, you can say all day long, you love Jesus, that's cool. And honestly, it's not none of my business, your relationship with God. But in the Bible itself says, faith without works is dead. Some of us are out here claiming to know Jesus, but acting like a fool. We're out here claiming Jesus is our savior, but don't test me. Come on now. We need to stop living a dead faith and stop trying to convince yourself you know God when truly you know a little about God. You believe he's real. You believe Jesus was real, but he's not your savior. You're not willing to give up the control that you have over the situation. Whether you're dealing with past hurt, trauma from parents, trauma from friends, siblings, family, whatever you're dealing with that you're trying to heal from. If you got people around you that are not willing to shed light and truth in the situation, no matter what it makes you feel, but somebody that is bold enough to tell you when you're wrong and tell you when they're wrong and not to play sides. But if you got people in your life that are that will agree with whatever you say and do whatever you do and hate whoever you hate and will disagree with whoever you disagree with, you've got an emotional manipulator on your hands. You've got somebody on your in your friends group, in your circle, or you may even be that person that is willing to emotionally manipulate the situation. You will agree with whatever you need to agree with as long as you keep that person in your life. People will feed your bitterness. People will chain you up to the grave. People will give you the rock to cut yourself with. People will talk with you and gossip with you about the people you don't like. They will do whatever they have to do to keep you chained to the relationship. Because honestly, if you were to get free from the bitterness, and if you were to get free from the anger and actually forgive and move forward with your life, guess what? There would be no other connection you'd have with that person. The relationship is built on manipulation. The relationship is built on emotion. And they will do whatever they have to do to stay comfortable. Just like these people did, they chained this man up. Instead of calling on Jesus, trying to get word to Jesus. Because, I mean, you had to think, okay, even if they didn't. But let's just assume, right? They've heard about Jesus. Jesus, the miracle worker, right? The healer, the, the one casting out demons. If this man was truly wreaking havoc on your community, like, I don't get it. Why would you want to live with demons? Why would you want to be tormented and watching this man bleed to death? Unless it was entertaining for you. Was it entertaining for them? Was it more comfortable because it become the norm? 
And if you read the end of that scripture, these people are coming and seeing this man clothed in his right mind. I mean, it makes me so emotional. This man is free. And they are afraid of him. They're afraid. He's not chained anymore. He's not trying to hurt himself anymore. He's not chained up. But yet these people are more concerned about their pigs. They're more concerned about making money. They're more concerned about their comfort. And they tell Jesus to leave their city. To leave their land. God have mercy on us. If we were to ever be in that position. God forgive me if I've ever done that. He was sitting at the feet of Jesus. And the last thing Jesus said. Because this man's begging him. Jesus take me with you. I want to go with you. I want to be a disciple. And Jesus in my and Lauren Daniels terms, <laughs> says you can be a disciple here. Go home. Go to your home. Make up the time the enemy's taken from you. Go home and be with your family. Go home and live your normal life of freedom. And let people know of what God's done for you. People may judge me for what I do or the fact I preach, whatever. But when you've come from the grave, when you've come from a place that you were cutting yourself and chained and spiritually tormented by demons, the thankfulness just overflows in you. So today I want to encourage you Christians warriors first of all stop being Pharisees to where we're judging where people are and we're too afraid to go and help them find freedom they want freedom in Christ that's where we should be church it's where we should be warriors <clears throat> and be encouraged that in your thankfulness, no matter what people may say or think of how you express it, be thankful. Be thankful for what God's done in your life season. Let God remind you of the thankfulness where he's brought you from. And I encourage you to be thankful this week. Every day of your life, be thankful for who he is. And what he's done. God bless you warriors. We will see you next week with another episode of the Warrior Within the Woman podcast. Remember to please like, subscribe, share these messages with people that you know it will encourage. I pray that God blesses you this Thanksgiving season. Happy Thanksgiving from my family to yours. God bless you. Love you friends.